0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into The Buster Show. We have a legendary guest today in the world of LinkedIn, but also the world at large, Taylor Offer. Welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Thanks for having me, I'm excited.
0: Of course, I I think a great place to start this off. Um, I've known about you for a while and I've been following your stuff on LinkedIn, but before you started going ham on LinkedIn, You know, I guess a better way to put it is what is the context that got you into the social world and made you want to go heavy at that?
1: We're going way back. Well, before I say that, I just want to say I've known about you for a while, too. So you're doing some awesome stuff, too. Uh, It's awesome in the social media world when there's someone you respect and look up to. Like I've looked up to you and like followed you for a while. I'm like, oh, wait, he looks up to me, too. So it's a mutual respect both ways.
0: 100%.
1: Yeah, so getting back into the, how I got into the social media world, I started with a sock company selling socks, and it doesn't sound like that is the normal entry into the social media world, but I started a sock company in college, just like 2014, and I was like, I got to figure out how to sell these things online, and this was, you know, before influencer was a word, before anyone talked about selling through social media, before anyone was really using Facebook ads or like doing anything there. And no one was like e-commerce wasn't a thing. It's hard to believe six years ago, but it really wasn't.
0: That's crazy.
1: Um, It's insane. And I remember like uh, I started looking at this app called Vine and these Viners and no one was giving them any respect. And I was like, wait, these kids are getting a lot of views on their videos. Like, I wonder if they could sell some stuff. And at the time they were doing no brand deals, no anything. So I just started DMing them all. And I was like, Hey, can I send you some socks? And if you like them, you can promote them. And I'm not kidding, like between Viners and Instagram celebrities and stuff, I probably sent like 10,000 plus DMs. Whoa. And I get, like, apt, like, that's all I did all day. was just like, hit up these people. And they didn't even like, they didn't have business emails or managers or contacts at the time. There was like, brand deals weren't a thing, which is crazy in 2014 to think about.
0: And that's only six years ago. The fact that brand deals, which are like the most common term, that's insane. Continue. Like <laughs> nobody
1: knew what they were, which is just wild. So then I kept hitting all these people up and they're like, Oh, I don't want to give you my address to send stuff because like people were scared of just even sharing addresses. But then finally, this one guy, uh, Marcus Johns, he was actually the first guy to hit a million on Vine, responded and he was like, Yeah, send some socks to sixteen hundred Vine Street in Hollywood. And I was in Massachusetts at the time, and I was like, okay, this guy's messing with me. He's a Viner and he lives on Vine Street. There's no way this is real. And then two days later, this guy Curtis Laporte responds. He's like, yeah, send some socks to 1600 Vine Street in Hollywood. I remember I turned to my business partner and I was like, I think these kids are trolling me and just like messing with me and giving me an address, like a fake Vine Street address because there's no way these Viners live on Vine. And I started watching their videos and I was just like, wait, they all have the same backdrop. Like it's the same apartment. It's the same finishes on their door handles. It's the same sinks. They're in the same pool, the same gym. And I was like, wait, like, at the time, it was like Logan Paul, Jake Paul, Manasarney, King Batch, Lele Pons, Cameron Dallas, Rudy Mokush, like all these kids lived in one building. And they all had the same background in all their videos. And I was like, whoa, this might be the Holy grail. So I told my business partner at the time <laughs> and I was like, Hey, you know, we have a team of employees in a warehouse here, but all that matters is social media. Like we have to bet on this. We should go move into this building in Hollywood where all these kids live. And it was expensive at the time. I think it was like 3,500 or four grand. And we were like just fresh out of college to pay that for a two-bedroom apartment was a lot. And we're like, it's a big bet, but let's do it. So I moved into this building at 1600 Vine Street and become friends with all these kids and start really understanding social media that way. We ended up doing a sock deal with Logan and and like, Half a million dollars of socks with one post so that like it That's justified fun. everything. But that really opened my eyes up to the social media world. And especially we did that. Logan with like with he did his post and he drove like over a million unique visitors to our site, like with from one video, and just sold like hundreds of thousands of dollars of product. And I remember I was talking like, to my business partner, and we were just like, damn, we're on to something. So then we started doing deals with like Ali Raisman, the chain smoker, some other massive um celebrities, and um it was a really interesting time in 2015, 2016, influencer marketing.
0: That's so crazy. Do you think it's gotten easier or more difficult um, to actually drive traffic through influencers with that same level of engagement?
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting. I wouldn't say it's gotten easier or harder, but it's just, there's always challenges. Um, And I think it's important to realize that like influence following doesn't equal influence. And I think that's a lot of people that people, a lot of things that brands and people misunderstand is like, there's people who are extremely influential and there's people who have massive followings and those aren't always correlated. And then it also depends about the campaign. So like, no matter what kind of following, like if you wanted to do a deal with Logan Paul, pushing like, I don't know, a product that it's very obvious he doesn't use like a standing guest that I'm at right now, like any guest with Logan Paul, like, would you sell more standing desk with Logan Paul or you know a business influencer with only a hundred thousand followers who's you know is all about business like that? The campaign has to match the person, and too mm-hmm. many brands just try to be like, "Oh, big following, influential here," and they give these influencers like a. The campaign doesn't work. The, they, the influencers don't genuinely use the product, and the fans can tell it's BS. And then also these brands they try to give the influencer a script, which is so stupid because. The brands think they can communicate with the influencers audience better than the influencer. So someone like they'll give someone like a Logan or whoever and be like, I love my hydro flask. It's great. I drink out of it every day and it keeps things cold for 24 to 36 hours cold or hot. It's great. You should check it out. And it's like everyone's like, it's a joke where it's like if you're giving Logan a hydro flask, you should be like, Logan, what do you want to do with this and he'll be like, I'll throw it off my two story house and see if it breaks and like, oh, it didn't break. Oh, that's tight. Hydrofast is tight. So you will, you have to make it so they almost tell it in their own words and let the influencer communicate to their audience because that's what they do best.
0: Yeah. You're a thousand percent right about that. It is really bizarre. And I've been, I'm sure you have as well, just on on the other side of that where I remember I was asked to do an ad for TikTok. Um, you know, congrats to TikTok by the way for for getting sold recently. Yeah. But um they asked me this was before it was popular this is probably beginning of 2019 it's like january 2019 and it was to do this thing along with the video it had nothing to do with my brand um they asked me to like make a beat to this thing if you know anything about me i don't really like i talk about the pokemon thing like I, you know we were talking about it earlier i'm wearing a pikachu button-up shirt first time ever for a very special guest here but um, but the, it was so far from my brand. It was a joke. Now what they did do though, is they ran crazy ads on my post, which then made it look like it did great. But, uh, but I, I've definitely seen that myself. So I can attest to that as well. It is honestly a joke. Like it's funny. Well, and I've
1: been approached by brands because I've grown a pretty good following too now and they'll just like give me a script and I'm like, hey, I know this game. Do you want this to convert better? Can I write it in my own words? And they're like, no, we got this copy approved. You have to use this exact copy. And I tell them like, hey, this copy is not going to convert to my audience. This is not how I speak and it's not going to work. If you want it to work? Let me rewrite it. And they're like, sorry, we got this approved. So we have to go with this copy. And I'm like, uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But
0: and the flip yeah. side of that is it's going to hurt your brand. For sure, like heavily. Whereas, an an a really well integrated ad, like the example you gave, Logan throwing a hydro flask off the top of his roof, that's not going to hurt anything. It's entertaining. No. I want a hydro
1: flask. I right. want somebody to do that now. I want to <laughs> yeah. see it. Yeah, let's you see know? it. Should I throw this out the window?
0: Probably. <laughs> but, but the the point is, it's just like brand deals can really hurt your brand. It's like. It, you know, money is like gasoline, obviously, and getting more gasoline can help your with your videos, everything you do, but anything that comes across as inauthentic, especially now, people, it's like, a, it's like, it's it's worse than a disease. People yeah. Being inauthentic.
1: All your comments are going to be like, you're a sellout. This is stupid, blah, blah, blah. You're selling out your content sucks. And yeah, I mean, Influencer marketing is definitely done wrong a lot of ways, which I almost, I like and I enjoy because people say, oh yeah, influencer marketing doesn't work. So it kind of gets them away from it. And I say, yeah, you're right. It doesn't work. And then it uh, helps drive down the price of influencer marketing.
0: (laughs) It's so funny. How, How do you think it does work? Because the only thing that I know in terms of like really understanding a market is in terms of like sports cards and collectibles. Whereas the way that the market goes up and down is based on Like anything else what somebody's willing to pay for it but it's it's you look you go to ebay you see what something's sold for when it comes to influencers that doesn't exist maybe it does internally at agencies but how does that market get determined
1: as far as like influencers market rates and what they're charging them in
0: yeah i think people would be super yeah so
1: a lot of people don't know like whenever an influencer gives you a quote they're quoting five X or 10 X, what they would actually do it for. Um, a lot of times that we've worked with so many influencers, they're like, yeah, it's $10,000 for a post. And I'd be like, I'll Venmo you $200 right now. And they're like, no, no. And I'm like, okay, I'll go do it to someone else. And they're like, okay, I'll do it for 200 bucks. <laughs> you know, a lot of times they're just kind of making up a number and they're pretty desperate. Like a lot of influencers don't monetize as well as people think. Um, everyone thinks if you have hundreds of thousands of followers, you're rich. But um, for influencers, a lot of times brand deals are few and far between. And you, it's not you're kind of always chasing the next thing. They don't really make a lot of money. Um, so it really comes down to like the best thing in it, on the influencer side and for the brand side. The best thing they both could do is the brand and influencer has to align with what they're both about. And it has to be a product that they both care about and it has to align with the brand. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of big fruitful relationships where you can make it bigger than a brand, just one deal. But um, yeah, it's a really uh, unregulated and kind of sketchy industry in terms of pricing. And there's all these crazy numbers being thrown around left and right.
0: The Venmo story is great. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely, I've I've seen the same thing. And I, you know, a lot of times people will do it based on, you know, what the brand is. Like how much do they think they have? I I mean, for
1: sure. I've managed so many influencers and and if Coca-Cola is sending you something, you go, oh shit, they got a lot of money, let's quote, high. Whereas if a tiny little company is sending you something, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, we can't get that much, and that's really how people think.
0: <laughs> Makes sense. I get it. Um, yeah. Now, whereas I, I, think you and I look at our personal brands a little bit differently. Whereas uh, you know, it's more of a business card than a you know a brand that I'm I'm trying to get deals for. You know, there are other places for that, and yeah. you know, neither of us are ever opposed to this, obviously. And probably when we do it, it'll do better because that's not what we're chasing. And that's yeah. generally how, how these kinds of things work. But how do you look at, what do you look at as the benefits of building your brand? Because I'm curious before I give mine to, uh, to hear how you, how you perceive that. A personal brand is like the most important thing people could have now.
1: And it's only going to get it more important in the future. And it's already, we're already seeing it now where whenever you meet someone or even before you meet them, you're Googling them and you're looking at their Instagram and you're looking at their LinkedIn and you're, you're getting looked up and it, it, no matter who you are, like, and it's only going to get more prominent in the future where your personal brand and your online digital present is going to precede Even who you are because people are going to look at that first. and It's going to reach a lot more people. So what, no matter what you're doing, you know, if you're an employee at a company, if you're an entrepreneur, any in work or business or even social life, like, you get treated differently and people are judging you based off what they see online. And you have an opportunity right now where you can take advantage of that. And I think we've both seen it happen, like even at the friend group level, like, well,
0: if you get a lot of followers on Instagram, that person gets treated differently. And we wouldn't be doing this right now if we hadn't done our, for person, sure. we hadn't focused on that.
1: Yeah. And that's, it's so important. It's only to get more important. So I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't need a personal brand because I'm just an employee at a company or I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not selling anything. It's like, you're not, but you might one day. And it's something you could always leverage in anything you do.
0: But no matter what you do, you're always selling yourself. Exactly. And it's so important to get a personal brand. It, it really is true. And honestly, everything you said is super messed up but it's all true like and it's only going to get more extreme in the future it's only going to get more extreme i was watching this documentary on netflix last night you've probably seen it about just the origins of the social companies and how they try to trap you and this and and that regardless you know it's super messed up people shouldn't base value off of a following and likes and things of that nature but the unfortunate truth, and I hope that it becomes more authentic. And I think there are a lot of things that the platforms can do to make it better. And especially for younger kids, because, you know, you know, growing, like being 13, 14 in that ecosystem is very, very difficult now. Um, I think the platforms will get better on that front. But to your point, from a personal brand standpoint, it's only going to get crazier. Whereas the person, you know, I think the quality of your life is only going to get better as your personal brand brand grows. And that is personally and professionally.
1: For sure. And it's important to note that this isn't a new concept. This is human nature forever. You know, the internet has made it a lot easier to build personal brands and made them more accessible to everyone. But you know, before the internet was around, if you were featured in a newspaper, you would get treated differently. You know, your title... Get you to be treated differently and it's almost accolades like you know these you have these different levels of status um even back to the days when we we're in tribes you had different levels of status so it's not something that's ever changed but now the the it, it's all switched because before like you know to get to that level of status whether it's a college degree or whatever it costs a lot of money but today it's democratized where anyone can build a following in a brand you don't need any money you don't need any education Um, you just need to know what you're doing online. So it's not something that's like a new concept where like social media is destroying humanity and you're being judged off whatever, because that's human nature to always judge people. Um, it just, now it's available for anyone to build a personal brand. And with the long tail of the internet, you're able to find people with like-minded interests and so many random things. For example, like you could build a brand around like being the best home gardener who makes like the best gardens and people just like, There's enough people on the internet who are interested in watching content around people gardening in their backyard. You can make a personal brand around anything. And the internet's great because it's connected all these people and enabled that. So you don't have to be only a business leader as a personal brand. You can have a personal brand as being the guy who knows everything about coffee, the coffee connoisseur or the gardener or the lawnmower connoisseur, whatever random thing you want to be, there's thousands or hundreds of thousands of people on that niche where you can be the leader of that group. Um, And that's what made the internet so amazing.
0: A hundred thousand percent, you know, and I I think that, but one, one very important piece of that is if you built your personal brand solely on Vine, there were some dark days. (laughs) So how do you, how do you look at deciding what platforms to build on and what platforms you don't spend, you know, your time on?
1: Definitely. So it's important to know that no platform is absolute, and that's a, a scary thing with building your personal brand. It's like uh, you got to imagine you're a dinosaur, and a meteor is going to come take you out soon enough. So no matter what happens, like you're going to have to adapt to that next thing. We've seen it happen with Facebook pages were massive, and you know I have Facebook pages with millions of followers on them for nothing. Yep. I'll post on them and I'll reach seven people. It's right. ridiculous. Um, same thing with Vine. Like you know it was great at the time. And now it's absolutely worthless. Um, even that's how it's trending with Instagram. Now, like you built this massive Instagram following, you're not going to reach your audience. So the way I try to look at it in platforms, I think we talked about this before, but content efficient and content saturated platforms. And it's so important to time the platform. It's less about your content and it's more about the platform you're posting your content on. So a content efficient platform is a platform that needs more content. So there's more people with eyeballs that want to consume content, then there are people creating content. So the platform is incentivized to keep, to get, when you have good content, to spread it as thin as possible and spread it as far as possible across everything. So a content efficient platform, an example would be Vine in 2015, or Instagram in 2016, or LinkedIn or TikTok right now in 2020. Because if you post, your whole following is going to see it. And then like on the platform like LinkedIn, if you like my post your whole network's going to see it because they need good content that badly so you really have to find these content deficient platforms and avoid the content saturated ones like instagram for example you're not going to reach your full following if you post you'll reach a percent of your following and there's no way on instagram that your post is going viral if you like my instagram post, none of your followers are going to see it so there's no way to grow on instagram so i think the most important thing is to identify a content deficient platform Start posting on there when it's content deficient and build your massive following. And then from there, you have to disperse it across everything, across all platforms, across, you know, as far as you can get these people across all platforms, you migrate them because soon your organic reach is going to die and it's going to turn into a content saturated platform. So it's all about timing the right platform, getting the following, then doing what you want
0: with that following. A hundred percent. I have a theory and I'm, I'm curious your take on this. I think that having a million subscribers on YouTube is better than having a million on any other platform because YouTube is the easiest way, or people on YouTube convert much easier than they do anywhere else. Like if I make a tweet, Hey, go follow me. I'd make an Instagram post. Hey, go follow me here. I put a, up a LinkedIn post. Hey, go follow me here. I say it in a YouTube video and then put it in the description. I think, far more people both organically and when you actually push them or incentivize them transfer over to all of your socials because fans there are way more hardcore
1: yeah so i think that definitely makes sense because if you think about it on instagram if you're scrolling on instagram i'll stop and i'll look at buster's picture for two seconds and I might double click and scroll on. So I invested what, two to five seconds of my time looking at your picture, reading your captions, scrolling on. Whereas on YouTube, I'm watching your video for 10 or 15 minutes. So I'm a lot more invested in you. And I feel a lot stronger connection to you because I'm picking up all these little things you're doing in the video. So I think YouTube is a place where you could have the best connection with your audience. The only fear is YouTube, you have to constantly win the algorithm. So I know some YouTubers with millions of followers their videos, they used to get millions of views. Now they get 20,000 views, 15,000 views. Because as a YouTube account gets older, um, it doesn't do as well. It's like when you're on this meteoric rise, you you get all these views, but YouTube accounts, like if you don't constantly put out content and YouTube's hard because you have to constantly put out very highly produced, high quality content, it's draining. Or on Twitter, you you could send one tweet a day and it takes five minutes. A YouTube video, that's a commitment. you got to film for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour, a couple hours of footage, edit it down. It takes forever. So YouTube's a great platform, but it's hard to commit to that forever.
0: No, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. And yeah, I've definitely, definitely seen the same you know, in, in terms of it being both very draining and the swings algorithmically are very, very complicated and nobody really understands them either. And when you think about it, you can't really name 10 people who have been popping for 10 years on YouTube. Whereas, you know, and I don't know if you can necessarily say the same about any platform because that level of consistency is very difficult. But I think a slightly a slightly different version of that would be like, a Joe Rogan or a Howard Stern who whom because the content isn't edited it's not uh, it's not draining and it's also you know fun and I think that's sure
1: be- and that's when I we go back to creating content as general uh, you have you have to create content and do things you're passionate about so for Joe Rogan or Howard Stern that's what they like doing they like you know, shooting the shit with really cool, interesting people and talking. They're so passionate about it that that will get them to do it for years and years and years. Because if you're doing stuff, just for a quick hit that you don't really like doing. For example, if I tried vlogging and let's say I hated vlogging every day and I didn't want to do it, but I was just like, yo, I'm getting the views. I got to keep doing it. Once those views are gone and there's no reason for me to keep doing it, I'm going to stop. Whereas if it's something you're extremely passionate about, you're still going to do it anyway. So that's what I tell people when they're building a brand, Make content that you actually like making and you're passionate about and that you would make if you had zero views. And if you had no views on this for the next five years, would you still make it? Cool. That means you're so passionate about it that it's going to work out. Whereas, you know, people try to overextend themselves and do things that they don't like doing. And it happens, like you get burnout. You're just not going to want to keep doing it.
0: Bro, and it comes back around to doing things for the right reason. You know, like you said, like if if somebody, if I want, a mil- if I want to do YouTube because I want a million subscribers, I will never, 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 never have a million subscribers. Yeah. Because I'm in it for the wrong reason. If I want everybody to know how much I love Pikachu and I don't care if nobody sees it, I'm like, I'm going to put it out. Everybody's going to know how much I love Pikachu. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, it, it's got to be like, you got to look at it like a stock, right? Like it's going to go up and down, but... You know, the people who don't sell out at the bottom are the ones who make the money.
1: Exactly, and what gets you from not selling out at the bottom is just passion. Do it, you like doing it? Is it fun for you? Is it fun when you don't get any views?
0: And it really is the biggest you know, determining factor because not everything can always do better, right? Like you can't always get 10,000 more views on every video forever unless you're Mr. Beast. And even then you know.
1: he's just on his upward rise right now. And it's gonna taper off. And that's why like when these bigger influencers who I know, like, and who I know pretty personally, like, they have so many mental health issues. And it's like, it's not as great as it sounds, because you've set your bar and you get 10 million views on a video. Guess what, if your next one gets 7 million views, it failed, and it sucked. Cause it's not going to top your other one. So you really can't judge yourself only off the views and be living for the views because it's going to mess with your head and you're going to get down and you're going to get depressed. Um, so you really have to be passionate about what you're doing and enjoy it. Otherwise it's going to hurt you in the long run.
0: I mean, that's, that's a tremendous point because you know, I'll, I'll even, you know, or when you're looking at anybody's Instagram, some posts do better than others. <laughs> Natural is what happens, but yeah, I mean, that's, that I know it's true because I have a lot of those friends as well. And even with myself, I'll be, you know, I won't be happy that something didn't do good, you know? So I think that's, uh, I, I think it's super important to, to talk about and to disassociate everything and just be grateful that it all exists and that, you know, it's all for the bigger picture, which for, for, for you and I is all personal brand based and that's that's the pillar of you know everything but i think that if influencers looked at it in the same light it would be a lot easier and better what do you think about that
1: yeah well i think just too many people want to be an influencer because they want to get a nice car and live in hollywood and live that Wrong yeah and they just don't understand like that's not those people aren't happy <laughs> And a lot of times when you're living for the content, like you're not living for yourself. And it's, it's, unless you are just, you know, insanely passionate about what you're doing, which, you know, that good influencers are like, it's just not fun. (laughs) And just, you have to just make sure you're getting into things for the right reasons.
0: Totally, Taylor, what are you passionate about?
1: Um, I'm passionate about growth hacking and I'm passionate about finding, um, things that other people can't find on the internet, like honey holes and just taking advantage of them and being able to create very lean and sustainable and profitable businesses off of these, you know, kind of hacks on honey holes I'm able to find.
0: I love it. Let's, uh, let's talk about LinkedIn for a second. How long have you been posting on LinkedIn?
1: So funny enough, LinkedIn, I that was my first job after school. I worked at LinkedIn.
0: No um, way. I didn't know yeah. that.
1: So I was running feet, which was my sock company at the time. Uh, we now do hoodies and like joggers and these super soft, like athleisure type clothing. Uh, but at the time it was feet socks. And I got this job offer for this great role at LinkedIn. So I actually worked at LinkedIn for a little bit after school um, and got pretty familiar with the platform. Then, and I was like, Hmm, there's something, there's something interesting here, but I was focusing on building my e-commerce company at the time. Um, and then about a year ago, I was like, wait, this opportunity is still here. This, I need to take advantage of this because it's not going to last forever so about a year ago maybe well, like 10 months ago i started posting almost every day on linkedin and i've grown from five to a hundred thousand followers which a hundred thousand followers doesn't sound like a lot but on linkedin i'm probably like one of the top hundred most followed accounts on linkedin because
0: that's I get, insane
1: a hundred thousand followers on linkedin um in my posts, like when i post i could reach anywhere from a couple hundred thousand to a couple million people per post which is like insane if you understand reach and how important that is. Like LinkedIn is the best platform right now to reach a ton of people because eyeballs equal dollars. It doesn't matter what platform they're on. You can figure out a way to turn attention into money. Um, You know, there's a lot of different ways you can monetize, but if you can get eyeballs on any platform, a a viewer is a viewer. So whether uh, Buster's liking or viewing my content on LinkedIn or Instagram, it doesn't matter. You're viewing my content and I can monetize that.
0: A hundred percent, and I think, you know, something super important to keep in mind with LinkedIn as well is it's very niche, unlike a platform like Instagram or YouTube, and you can also see every single person. And
1: Definitely, it's and it's easy. people. It's people who have money. These people are interested in business and jobs and working. So, this is like the the best target audience you could have. Whereas on Instagram, you know, or TikTok. You'll get a bunch of kids in third world countries. who don't have money that you can't really like sell things to on LinkedIn. It's all business professionals who you could sell things to and make some real money on.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a very interesting point. So what do you, how, how much longer do you think LinkedIn is going to be that, you know, content deficient platform that, that you, you meant you alluded to earlier. Depends how many people
1: watch this podcast and pick up on the advice. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because <laughs> as soon as everyone starts
1: posting, it's 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 like it's one of those things. It's right now we're ahead of the curve. Once the masses understand what we're talking about, that's when it starts getting content saturated. That's when everyone starts posting and trying to do it. So you have to build your moat of followers or whatever it is before the masses catch on. So I'm screaming from the hilltops to anyone that would listen about the value of LinkedIn. You know, a very small portion of people actually listen to me. And those are the people who are ahead of the curve. And then, I mean, it's the same thing we saw with like Instagram, where was, like people used to think Instagram influencers weren't valuable, or a Vine following wasn't valuable, or like people used to laugh at TikTok even like not even six months ago, people literally. were literally oh why do you have like why do you have a following on TikTok? What's the point of it? It's stupid. It's just not for kids. And it's like okay, who's laughing now? Um, so you have to be ahead of the curve because you know it's just a matter of time. The same way most people right now don't have a TikTok profile. In the early days of Instagram, most people didn't have an Instagram profile. and they're like, why would I have an Instagram? Now it's like, you can't not have an Instagram. Like there might be a world six months from now or a couple of years from now where like you can't not have a TikTok or you can't not have a LinkedIn brand. So I think it's really important uh, to be ahead of the curve and who knows how long it will last.
0: No, a hundred percent. And it's true. It's always those early adopters, you know, who end up being you know the leaders on the platforms in the long run because that you being a top 100 linkedin blowing up now would be the best thing that could happen to you because everybody's just going to come right to you exactly and And that's that's the
1: plan and that's what everyone could do right now get ahead of the curve before and then the platform is going to grow you if you're early and the platform's going to show when these people get on linkedin and start actually using it they're going to start saying Here's who you should follow. It's the same thing with like uh, Charlie and Addison on TikTok. Everyone's getting on TikTok, it's like, oh, here's who you should follow. These are the biggest people. That means everyone joining TikTok is seeing them and following them. And that's how they grow their following.
0: And then you end up getting that natural hype train where people follow just because other people follow. And that's 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 the critical mass. That's the worst and best thing ever.
1: Yeah, that's when your audience becomes less devoted because you get a bunch of other random people, but that's when you just go you're you just go straight up and just start growing so fast.
0: Do you think we'll have people with 100 million followers on LinkedIn one day?
1: For sure, of course. I mean, it's only going to grow. It's just a matter of
0: time. Um, Who's the biggest right now? Bill Gates?
1: Bill Gates is big. Mark Cuban's big. There's actually this, um, this woman named Bridget out of like, I forget where she's from not, not in the U S and she has like three or 4 million and on LinkedIn. she's like, she works in HR and she really just posts like, um, motivational things like you're awesome. Go, um, go have some fun or something and like enjoy the day and you don't get down. And like, she really posts that and she'll get like, I'm not kidding. A hundred thousand likes and like 10 million impressions on it.
0: Maybe I need to change my content strategy. I'm out of here dropping like full analytical social and digital posts.
1: I mean, that's the thing I always think about social media, it has to be digest, the best content is digestible within a couple seconds and digestible by the masses. So when someone looks at something, if they see, and that's why on LinkedIn, like people write line by line, because if they see like a big paragraph or too much, people are just lazy and they're like, I'm not going to use my brain power to even try to understand what's going on here, Or they want things that are just so simple and make so much sense uh, so quickly. So that's why it's like, there's so much power in just being like, be awesome. Cool. I get it. I'll be awesome. Thank you.
0: Are you familiar with uh, my favorite Oleg?
1: Yeah, I've seen that guy.
0: He's, he's another OG. Um, There's a
1: couple of those people and they're so good. They were so early and they get, their following is just insane. And I don't think they even know how valuable it is. Like Oleg has almost 2 million followers. Um, but, you know, he'll get 10,000, 20,000 likes on a post, which is like millions.
0: What, what is the general ratio for likes to a million views? You need like, is it? Because I know like 10 likes is 1,000 views.
1: So it I really depends on your post. Um, but yeah, I mean, anywhere from like 10 likes to a 1, 1,000. Yeah, that's kind of fair. 10 likes, a 1,000. 100 likes, about 10,000. Then 1,000 likes is about 100,000 but it depends on the post.
0: Yeah, it's super interesting, man. And that niche, just creating, if you have that audience, then creating business around, like you were you know, talking about how that's, that's your passion. I mean, it's, it's just so obvious right now, you know, when it comes to that. And- well, it's
1: obvious, it seems obvious to us because we live and breathe social media and this is all we think about all the time. To most people, like, it's, you have to explain why this is a great opportunity. Um, and a lot of people don't see the opportunity. We're definitely like, this is all we think about all the time in social media. So we understand this opportunity, but a lot of people, you have to really explain it the same way that like, if there was an opportunity in a different someone else's world, I wouldn't see what a great opportunity it was. And they'd be like, this is so good. And I would bet I don't really get it. So it's obvious to us.
0: Right. No, that is fair. And i'll also, you know, granted, if I hadn't been doing what I was doing, you know, on Facebook and then Snapchat and then Instagram and then TikTok and then now LinkedIn, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing on LinkedIn. It takes, you know, it takes a lot of trial and error, and it takes oh for error. sure.
1: And even on posting on LinkedIn, like, how do you know what to post on LinkedIn? Because you learn what not to post on LinkedIn by doing bad posts. How do you know what to do? Like. And I think that's like a big thing I've learned from like watching someone like Gary Vee, it's like, how did he learn to be so positive on every single post? Because before he wasn't and he saw the negative feedback he was getting. So he was like, shit, I'm only going to say good things now and encourage people, which is great. And like at first when I was on posting a lot on social media, like I would like be a little negative and tear people down. Then you see the negative comments about being negative and you're like, okay, cool. I'm not being negative anymore. I learned that from being negative and being Posting negative things on social media, I realize I only want to post positive things, and I only want to be positive. Um, so, imagine if
0: everyone was like that.
1: Yeah, Exactly, that would be You're great.
0: Very different.
1: Well, it just it takes people posting more to really understand.
0: Yeah, positivity sells.
1: For sure, and it's that's what you want. Like, you attract the energy you put out. Do you want to attract negative energy, or you want to attract positive energy?
0: if you could go back and tell, you know, yourself just starting out the sock brand, one, one piece of advice when it comes to whether it be social or life, what would you go back and tell yourself?
1: Uh, it's so hard because it was a different time back then. Um, I mean, one thing I would tell myself in 2014 was to start advertising on Facebook. We waited till like 2016 or 2017 and we were still really early. But if you're on Facebook ads in 2014, 2015, like, you can get like $5 acquisition costs for whatever product you wanted Cause it was such a white space back then. So I'd probably say like get on Facebook and Instagram ads or they didn't even have Instagram ads back then. But I know some brands who started on Facebook advertising back then and they were paying like literally CPMs were like $2 to reach a thousand people. Now they're 20. Um, so they literally 10 X the price. But back then, yeah. Wow. It was crazy. I remember we had a, my business partner and I still joke about this like we got this email like in 2014 or 2013 maybe 2014 saying like you have a well Facebook was saying like here's a $5,000 ad credit just to use our platform it's the same thing like TikTok or Snapchat are doing right now that they're giving you ad credits for you to just start using it and we're just like why did we ever advertise on Facebook and we were just like damn we were so dumb we should have got on Facebook advertising back then
0: Well, that that is tremendous advice. Now for all for all the young entrepreneurs uh, out there, male and female, what what would your best advice to them be in this 2020 ecosystem, obviously, you know, in the middle, maybe closer, hopefully closer to the tail end of the pandemic and everything. But what would your best advice be for all those all those entrepreneurs looking to come out stronger?
1: i think the best advice is just start too many people try to make things too perfect before they start and they think it's easy for any idea you do you can come up with a hundred reasons not to do it for anything and even if it's the most genius idea in the world you can come up with a hundred ideas why you shouldn't do it or why it shouldn't work and too many people I like themselves out before they start and it's like you have to understand your first company and your first product or whatever you do is not going to be perfect the point of it isn't and everyone thinks their first company is gonna be a billion dollar company. And it's like, that's not gonna happen. Your first company is gonna be a company. The most important thing you do is start and then start learning. And that's how you learn. So your first company is not gonna be perfect. Whatever you start with, you won't finish with. And guess what? Your company's probably gonna fail, more likely than not. But it's not gonna fail because you're gonna learn. Like Feet was my fourth company I started. The first three, I learned a ton. I, I didn't, They weren't successful but they were successful in teaching me what it takes to get to the next one. And you become a good entrepreneur by failing. So every failure gets you one step closer to success. So I think people should just be, be more comfortable in like the most successful entrepreneurs I know are the ones who can go and put their heart and soul into anything as hard as they can and fail. It's the ones that can go and like sprint full speed into a brick wall and just hit it full speed and say, damn, that hurt, that sucked. <laughs> okay, now I'm not going to try to sprint through this brick wall. Next time, I'm going to try to jump over it. And they're going to go and jump as high as they can and try to get over that wall. And they're going to fall again and say, shit, I can't jump over it. But as long as they can get up and go and go again, now they to keep learning. So you learn through your failures. So it's really important to fail and be comfortable failing and try to go out there and fail.
0: That is tremendous advice. All right, get out there, everybody, and fail. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but seriously, I, I really don't think there's a single successful person out there who couldn't name a hundred failures that they've had. You know, I we don't even have enough time here for me to talk about all the stupid, stupid things that I've done, you know, or tried. Yeah. But granted, I wouldn't take a single one of them back because, you know, you know, it it all ends up you know in some part creating those things that are successful even as funny as it may be to look back and be like why did i let a 12 year old post about hockey under my name you know like whatever whatever the hell it was you know it's all it's all just great and learning experiences um yeah. So, where I think people know through listening to this that they can find you on LinkedIn at Taylor Offer, <laughs> but where else can people find you best? Just
1: Taylor Offer on all platforms LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, pretty much everywhere. My clothing brand, feetclothing.com, uh, the softest hoodies in the world. If you want to check those out there, Hello. I have a playbook teaching you everything you need to know to grow on LinkedIn. That's uh, at TaylorParkerAcademy.com. You could find that uh, through my LinkedIn profile at search Taylor offer, go follow me on LinkedIn. I'm at like 98,000 followers. I'm trying to get to hundred K. So uh, go check it out there. Let's go.